Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel Clark and Adam Balderstone to talk about a Chinese ghost story. This is the Tony Ching Sui Tung film uh, starring uh, Joey Wong and Leslie Chung and Wu Ma. And, uh, you know, we covered this over at Wuxia Weekend, but now we're going to be doing a Wuxia Workshop episode to, to talk about the film. Uh, and I should just say in advance, uh, we, we you may hear background noises because Joel has to watch his children, and so th- you may occasionally hear sounds in the background. Uh, so we apologize in advance if, if it gets a little bit loud. Uh, so yeah, so I guess before we even start in the discussion, I just want to know what you guys both thought of the film, because I don't think either of you had seen it before. And Adam, I know you didn't get a chance to, to join us on the um, Wusha Weekend uh, podcast when we did it. So this was kind of our way of making it up to you so you could actually see it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I'm sorry, Adam, what did you think about it? Well, no, what did I think of the movie? Mm-hmm. I, it, it's fantastic. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I've already seen the remake before this. And which and this was this was definitely superior to the remake, I think. I mean it was a lot it was it was a lot simpler. It, uh, you know, but I was a little, I was a little worried. I'm like, oh well, I hope, I hope the uh, having seen the remake won't won't taint the experience of seeing the superior original. But after I got past the first 20 minutes, I completely forgot about it. I, I, I think this is just a lot more focused than that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a great movie all around. What, what did you think of it? Oh. Um... I really like this movie. I actually might have loved this movie. Uh, this is one of the few on the on Wushu Workshop that I, I actually wound up getting physical media from. I'm really glad. Uh, there's only a few other ones I would actually want to like continually watch again and show to other people. This is on that list. It was almost like um, it's almost like owning Ghostbusters. You know, like you kind of have to own that movie just in case you have that one friend who's never seen it. You're be like, oh man, you got to watch Ghostbusters with me. That's the vibe I got out of this. And I don't think that a lot of people are going to have seen Chinese Ghost Story, the original Chinese Ghost Story. So uh, I do want to show this one off. This was really fun. Uh, and I, want, I I actually watched it three times. I liked oh, wow. it so much, which is unusual for me. Usually I'll watch a movie once and I'll be like, okay, I'm done. Like I recently watched Annihilation, and that was a great movie. It was really good. Uh, but I'm cool with it. I don't need to watch it again. I don't need to own that. Man, Chinese Ghost Story, though? I'm gonna watch it again tonight. It's really entertaining, and there's there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to chew on. Um, it there's just a lot of little. I don't know. It's one of those movies again, kind of like Groundhog's Day or Ghostbusters or something, where like every time you watch it, there's like a little something you didn't notice the last time, yeah. and you're like, oh, well, it's kind of a lot of texture, a lot of a lot of different and uniquely interesting things that happen in it. Um, Tongue monster, Taoist strap. I mean, like just there's there's a they, lot. There's you a lot. Fight Gozer at the end. It's it's really something. It's just great seeing '80s practical effects too. I mean, that's just something I really miss in movies. If this was made now, you'd have a CGI tongue and whatever. The C- uh, CGI tongue would kill this. The the practical effect tongue looked amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the, the one of the things that I. That I that I really like about the movie is, is is the use of the practical effects. Like when you watch the like even the ones even the ones that are clearly not done that well. Like the so there's those creatures that are the leftover remains after the tree. Oh yeah, them. And, and and they're probably the sloppiest I would say in the whole movie. Like the other stuff, you know, is is is, is as far as practical convi- uh, effects go, I think pretty serviceable and convincing. But those ones are a little bit awkward looking at times. 
Yeah, but now it's just in a hairy house and like a fact. That's what, that's what I was getting at. That's what I was right getting there. at. It's it, it reminds me of that or like Evil Dead or like all these yeah. old movies that I used to watch. And and again, I still maintain even with all the flaws, it was ten times more scary because it felt like it was really in the room somehow, you know? Yeah, um, there was a very evil dead vibe to all the scenes where they showed up, which I thought was delightful. Again, that just added to the texture of the movie for me. Because uh, I don't know that it's bad. What I think it is, is it's it's specifically not integrated in the same way. You know, like you were mentioning that kind of Harryhausen sort of Clash of the Titans vibe to it. Yes, but that made it seem a little bit unworldly. And it actually was really, like, because I, I wasn't prepared for that at all. I was watching that scene like, okay, these things are going to sit up and they're going to be like puppets. But they were claymation, and so they had this this unnatural, jerky movement to them that I actually found unsettling initially. I was like, holy yeah. shit, that's really creepy. And then they get kind of goofy. But it's what a great textured effect, especially on a first viewing where it goes from, from like, it defined my expectations and actually shocked me a little bit. And then I eventually got to the point I was laughing at it like I was watching Ash versus Evil Dead. It was really cool. I mean... No, and like the, 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 the tree demon with the tongue and like just like all – it's just – you know, it's, it's, it's really unnerving even though it's like this wacky practical effect. Um, this movie – like it has everything, right? It's got what, like romance. It's got horror. It's got comedy. It's got um, atmosphere and, 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 and a rap in it. Yeah, let's – well, I know you wanted to talk about that. So why don't you – could you describe the rap because I know that had a big impact on you. Um, and I know when I, I first saw it, I was like, whoa, what is this scene? It's a little bit unusual. Like that, this, you're not prepared for this movie. If you're going to watch this movie, you're not prepared for it. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much people tell you about it. You have to see it. So there I was watching the movie. And I was, I was getting to, like, that's kind of closer to Act 2, so like, or what we think of, as a, of Act yeah. 2. But like, okay, so I'm watching, I'm getting into it, and he's going back to the temple, and there's, there's Dallas guy, the ghost hunter, and he's practicing in the courtyard, and he starts rapping what sounds a lot like passages from the Tao Te Ching. Just rapping it. And, like, it's a full-on rap. It lasts for, like, a minute. And a little music video in there. Uh... <laughs> I know, right? It was like, <laughs> in this movie, this would this scene would have fit just the same. I don't... Again, I, I actually didn't... I was not ready to believe I was listening to a rap at all. I was like, this is going to be some <laughs> yeah. kind of joke or something, right? No. They just uh, put it in there. They're like, that happened? Now what? And they move on like it never happened. What, what's, <gasps> I was thinking about this same sort of issue when the corrupt magistrate scene comes up because that's also yeah. a very comedic <gasps> scene. And what I, what, I, what I was consciously thinking this time around was, well, this movie is able to withstand this kind of an intrusion into it. And continue to function on all the, like, the horror still works. All these other things still work. But they just did the most wacky stuff I could imagine that would, like, in an, like if this occurred in an American horror movie, you would have been, you know, you, you it would have been weird. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a certain, everything in the 80s had a certain amount of camp to it and all that. Uh, but but the, the rap and the... And, and, and just how how far they get into like slapstick comedy at times. Uh, really, it really does. Yeah, and they even bl- the thing about those, the comedy though is they blend it really well with the action. So like, it, it continually catches you off guard. And I think that's fine. The rap though is one of those things where like, I could see that in an Evil Dead movie. I could see that in a Ghostbusters movie. But like, I was totally unprepared for it in this context. And it, it gives it that kind of like, 
real particular sort of texture where like um I don't know like I, it doesn't it, it's it's a total but it doesn't root like you said it works within the the whole broader experience of the movie so it's not like it kills it or ruins your merch or something it's just one of those things that you're just like you kind of wind up having to accept about the, the texture of this movie what so I think they yeah. commit fully to each tone. I think that's what it is. It's like, nope, now we're playing like, you know, C sharp, and that's what we're playing, and we're playing it really yeah. hard. Uh, and I don't care if it seems like it's dissonant from this other note that we just played, uh, which we were also playing really, really intensely. Um, yeah. I think I think with the court scene, though, getting back to that, I think I think in a way it works, too, because it's played, it's played very broadly and comedically, but all the scenes in the town revolve around the fact that all these comedic town people are utterly terrified of this yeah. temple. So it's a weird way of using the comedy to reinforce that this place is really dangerous. So it's, uh, you know, it kind of it kind of fits together in that way. Yeah, because at the end of that scene, they all do run away when he mentions the temple. So, it, you know, it, yeah. it definitely hammers that home. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with you. And, and, and also, that's the scene where he, I think he really starts to lose, like, he still thinks this is all mundane stuff up into that point, right? Like he thinks the swordsman guy is this criminal, and mm-hmm. and that's when that that idea he has in his head starts to unravel because he sees the real guy that is from the water poster, and then soon yeah. after he finds out she's a ghost and all this stuff. So it, it, it's it's kind of a crucial scene in a lot of ways as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think too the uh, again another thing I know I always comment on this, but the use of music in this, like the Sally Yip. Uh, uh, vocals like there's that that vocal track that goes over it that's really haunting but also the one at the introduction that maybe when you guys first saw it didn't really uh, have as much of an impact on you but I promise after if you watch this movie enough that opening song has it really gets into your head um, it, yeah, it does you're right actually it immediately had a pretty strong impact because it's like, ambient music is pretty popular with the movies that, like, this this kind of style of movie. Having vocals usually means it's saying something, and this is a, again, what would you consider to be sort of an atonal melancholy to it, because this is obviously playing over a comedy scene at the beginning, but if you watch the entire movie, and you go on the whole journey with them, there's a lot more to it than the comedy, and this, I think that's why it's reminding me of Ghostbusters so much, because Ghostbusters is unquestionably a comedy, there's so many comedic elements in it, but it's adventurous and it it's got a romance in it, and there's there's a little bit of melancholy and heartbreak in it. Same thing with this movie. It's it is it's core a comedy movie with comedy elements, and so you put a rap in there, it's not gonna hurt it. But uh, but yeah, this song actually helps to reinforce the the to the viewer that there's more going on than just like funny slapstick. Funny slapstick is there as an ongoing element of this broader story, which is a lot more textured than just a comedy. Yeah, I mean, to compare it to Ghostbusters, both movies, in their own way, take the supernatural element seriously. Part of what makes Ghostbusters funny is that if you've ever read, like, you know, parapsychology stuff from the 70s, it's like, it is just loaded with all this really specific stuff that takes it so seriously that it comes... Well, and and Aykroyd took that stuff seriously, right? Like when he did What's Ghostbusters, that? I said Aykroyd was taking that stuff seriously. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. so it's it, it just it just enhances the movie in a way that the few comedies do by having this core of seriousness. And I, I you know that this movie has the same thing going. 
I would agree. I would agree with that. I, I would. I would agree with that. And the source, but it's based on the Pusong Ling story, and the source material is different, but it's still quite similar. And a lot of the core things are still there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, what did you what did you guys think of the? Uh, because uh, Joel had mentioned it a moment ago, that opening sequence when he's sort of traveling, and you could, and, and I guess they're establishing both that he's a really poor scholar who's does is like who's got this task that's probably not easy to accomplish. Uh, and he's in a world that's just governed by bloodshed, it seems, and people with swords. Uh, you know, what, what was what was your reaction to that? That's I'm thinking of the scene with the with the swordsman, the first swordsman that he meets. So was that the same swordsman that gets killed later? Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay, I thought so. I thought so. I love that scene. I, I laughed, and it's gotta be. It's got to be hard to translate comedy between different cultures, but holy hell, that was hilarious. Yeah. He, just because of the casualness of it, because it starts out with him, like, wandering into that little, like, shabby little roadside shrine, and then, like, there's just this swirly, hyper-violent melee, and the guy just sits down and starts eating like it's nothing, like, oh, another Tuesday, and a decapitated dude. That's funny as hell. I just love movies that have a sense of a greater world than what's going on in the story. I mean, there's just this whole other story that we don't even get a glimpse of what that was about. But it's just it's just this other stuff that happens in this world. You have so many questions about it. Like like the guy like so okay, the guy the guys stole something from him. We know that much, right? But I get this, the impression this guy really pictures himself as like a heroic swordsman and but he's like he's kind of extreme and so he, he defeats, I think, a couple of the guys, and then one of the guys drops his weapon and, I think, apologizes, and then he says, how dare you steal from me? And then he hacks him to death, right? And, yeah. and, it's, and, and it's like a real brutal, brutal hacking. But then he sits down and he sees the hungry scholar and he gives him a bun. You know, it's, like a, it's like this really nice gesture of... So it's, it's like within the span of five seconds, he does a really nice thing and a really terrible thing. Um, but he seems to think that both of them are fully justified. You know, um, they kind of Gaston moment there. No one cuts off heads like Gaston. <laughs> but yeah, he, he he spits out the bun though, doesn't he? I, uh, the, I, yeah, I, the scholar spits out the bun. Uh, what? Uh, uh, Leslie Chung's character spits out the bun. I I I think because. Oh, so here's my thinking. Yeah. And maybe this is Kenny's thinking, because I remember we had this conversation during Wusha Weekend, and he might have convinced me, but I think maybe he just didn't want to have like the a bun or a piece of food tainted by that kind of behavior. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, he just saw yeah, this guy yeah, murder people, uh, and so maybe he, you know, he, 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 uh, he, he feels it's like an ill-gotten bun. I don't know. Ill-gotten bun. Yes. <laughs> or, or maybe, I don't know, because I mean, would he be worried about, I mean, so, so my concern would have been the blood. Do you know what I mean? Like, like this, this guy just killed people and now he's handing me a bun, but I don't know that that would have been a worry in ancient times as much as it is now. So, um, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I'm, I'm not certain I can even, like, really interpret the reason he threw it away. I, I just interpreted him as being completely freaked out by the situation. I want him just to reject and run away from the whole thing. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not really certain now that you brought it up, because i got to think, like, well, he was at a shrine. Does he think he's eating a cursed bun? I'm, I'm not really certain. I'm not certain if there's, like, a... There's some sort of superstition that's not this thing there. Well, yeah. But, I mean, I think if he was the kind of guy that would worry about eating a cursed bun, he wouldn't have went to an abandoned, haunted temple in the middle of nowhere, maybe. So, I don't know. 
Maybe yeah, that's the show he's an idiot. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I mean, also, I think he was just like scared of that guy, and like maybe just didn't. You know, I don't. I don't know. Like, uh, but it's an odd scene. It's an odd scene. Um, Which makes the scene later on when he tells him that they need to uh, when he encounters him again in said haunted temple fighting the ghost hunter. It's like you have to believe in the power of love. Yeah. Stop fighting. You know? <laughs> yeah, love conquers all. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get into. Well, I guess we can get into the story first. Then we'll do the characters. What do you guys think of the overall story? Just the story of he falls in love with this ghost and he has to rescue her from the the tree demon. And bury her remains, you know, in 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 a, in a lo- location far away. But she's also to be married to this this hell king guy, and so she he has to, uh, you know, rescue her from hell at the, at the end of the movie. And then uh, and then he, he uh, you know, really really bad retelling. But what do you guys think of the story? Oh, ooh, okay. Um, let me see. I. Okay, so I, I enjoyed it in general terms, but I think enjoy is too light of a term. Um, I like it so much, I became mildly obsessed with it. Like, this, the structure is really good, and it has this thing it does where all the storytelling, all those little plot points, are all in scenes that are individually really entertaining, and so the exposition is delivered in a way that's really, like, satisfying. Yeah. It's not just that we hear that she's going to be married to a hell king. We hear that she's going to be married to a, a hell king while he is in her bathtub having his head dunked under the water so her evil mom doesn't smell him and kill him. Yeah. So and like so that whole scene's entertaining without the exposition, and the exposition is in there adding actual tension to that scene and comedy. So that's pretty impressive, first of all. It's really, really good, rich storytelling that keeps the movie rolling along at a great pace. Uh, so it's well told, well delivered, and also it's like you actually wind up really caring for all of the characters because they have like surprisingly rich and nuanced relationships with each other. Like it, like I think Adam was talking about the sequel. Of, okay, so I watched a little bit of that thing and I was unimpressed. I was like, this is kind of lame. And in the sequel, the the Taoist is like in love with the same demon yeah. scholar. It's totally missing from this, and it makes their relationship a lot better. Wait, are, because, are you talking about the sequel, the Chinese Ghost Story two, or are you talking about the remake? The, the remake. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, uh, Sorry, I've seen the remake first. I was really happy with how simple this movie was. Oh, yeah. Watching the, when I watched the remake before seeing the original, like, this movie's too complicated. I mean, not only do you have the the, the, the ghost hunter being having been in love with her, you also have the stuff back in town with everyone turning into trees or whatever, and there's just layers upon layers of stuff, and you totally lose yeah. the story at the center. Well, could you imagine if the Wu Ma character... Was in love with her in this one. It would have been it would have been a total disaster if if uh, it would have, if, it would have totally ruined the broth. And it does it does ruin the broth. Um, but in this case, he regards her as something unnatural that he has to beat because she's a ghost and goes to bat. Yeah. And that sort of that really simple kind of direct relationship makes the texture of his heroism in regards to her a lot more interesting because you're like okay, but he's it's more than that. He's a Taoist. He knows it's right to beat ghosts. He has a real hard time with people, and so he identifies more with ghosts, even though they're his enemy. That's great. Um, so yeah, it's it's character driven, and the the core of any kind of criticism of any movie that I'm ever going to make is: are the characters interesting? And is uh, is the story such that it is an outgrowth of their motivations? And absolutely. And like I was saying, it's it's simple in that the characters are comprehensible and direct. But it's nuanced in that their interaction with each other and the situation they have to go with is is rich and compelling. 
So, really great stuff. Yeah. And also, I should say, uh, Ching Sui Tung, the director, he does tackle that same theme in um, Sorcerer and the White Snake years later, uh, which is a... Uh, I don't know if you've seen that movie, Adam, but it's a... It's a, it's a, it's a I have. It's a 2011 movie with um, Jet Li. And actually, the woman from... Um, uh, Kung Fu Hustle, the woman that that, that plays the uh, the candy girl. Uh, yeah, play, yeah. I, I believe, if I remember, she plays uh, White, White Snake, and it's based on the Madam White Snake story. But it's a similar theme of you know uh, love that sort of split between the human world and another world. In that case, it's the world of demons versus the world of humans. And Jet Li is the the the, the monk who's trying to put an end to the uh, to the love affair between White Snake and the scholar. Um, and so, uh, but, but yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, uh, it's a more serious movie, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of similarities. Huh? I didn't notice that. First movie, Enchantress, <laughs> was another movie I thought of watching this too. If I had the title right, I mean, well, yeah, my movies. No, up. I know which one you mean because that one, it's it's not supernatural, but there is like a there is a love that's emerging that can't occur because of the rules of the martial world and the rules of society, right? So. Is that the one, like the one? Are you I don't know. It's, I thought that was the one where the guy goes to the cave at the beginning. Oh, and there's the oh okay, okay. So do I, do I have the title wrong? You do. That's you um. I think that's the Enchantress. Uh, the Enchantress. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All, okay. Also by Shoyuan. But but yeah. I think I think I, I think in both cases in there there's applicable somewhere. crossover. Um. But yeah. Okay. So I I see what you're talking about. Yeah. That that has some similar themes too. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, and yeah, so oh, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I mean these were these were they were very different movies, but uh, they, I don't know that. I mean, neither of them were particularly serious movies, though they are both. I well, I'd say Enchantress had more of a Gonzo feel to it. This had a more comedic vibe, would be my feeling. How's that to the list of movies then? I like Gonzo. <laughs> it gets Gonzo as it goes on, so I don't want I don't want to give you the idea that it's like super Gonzo, but it, it has Gonzo. Yeah. Or Gonzo was better. It, it's a. It, I enjoyed the Enchantress. It's definitely not up there with like Buddha Palm or Holy Flame no. of the Martial World, but it's good. It's very. It's good. good. Yeah. It's good. Good, but not great. Yeah. yeah I, I'd recommend it. And uh, and it does have some interesting elements. If you need any kind of like horror movie type stuff, it's definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, so get, oh, go ahead. Uh, getting back to the story, I the, the other thing I, I just I realized is that it escalates almost perfectly. Like, from being, like, it really starts in, in our reality and ends in a totally different one that is much darker and more epic and extreme. And there's never really a point in the movie where there's, like, that, like, atonal, like, cliff fall where you're like, okay, it's normal, normally, and now giant monster. Yeah. Like, there's none of that. It, it's this real smooth escalation the whole way through. There's a lot to admire about this movie, actually, the more I'm thinking about it. You see why I'm getting obsessed with this thing. No, in fact, I want to talk about that because at the end of the film, like they go to that inn as they're running away and you think everything's all set. They lay out a lot of clues that something is not right with that inn from the very beginning. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not like it's just a sudden shift like you're saying. And, and, and when they do do the reveal, it's, it's actually quite amazing. Like when he finds the heads in the, in the, in the boiling pan. And he sort of, he sort of like you know, he removes the mist from his eyes, and he can see what's really going on. That's I, I think that's one of the most because it's so effective because you think the movie's over at that point. Do you know what I mean? You think like, oh, they're this, they're just wrapping up now. They've forgotten about the marriage proposal that that needs to be uh, fulfilled. And so, 
you know, to, to, and, and then when you when they do unload that on you, it's like it's like ten times worse than dealing with a tree demon because it's you know they're they're completely out of their element, and this thing is so powerful. It has like yeah, human totally heads class. under a robe on its body. It's it's a really creatively done monstrosity. I yeah, it, 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 like that that and that's also something where that's practical effects put to like amazing use. Like that, uh, yeah. that's one of the top movie monsters I've ever seen. Yeah, very true. And again, I reminded the Ghostbusters because in Ghostbusters they had that same thing. Where they, they get to the point where they're fighting ghosts, and you're like, yeah, they're really getting it. And at the end, a dark god shows up, and you're like, nope, they're they're effed. There's no way they can't they can't overcome. They're they're totally outclassed. Same thing in this movie. That 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 last act escalation is so it's so impactful, like you're saying, and they it feels so what's and it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and I mean, it's it's the. The, the scene where there, where uh, the two guys are being pulled in by the demon, and she's debating whether or not to destroy her little little urn is, is I, I really wasn't sure where that was going to go. I was yeah. like, it was it was it was genuinely really suspenseful. In Hong Kong movies, you never know if they're going to be happy or not. Yeah. So it was it was it, it was it was just a great moment in the movie. And was this a happy ending? What was your feeling on because the, the ending is a little bit bittersweet though, and it actually deviates. Bittersweet, from the story. yeah. It's not happy or sad. It's bittersweet. You you nailed it. That's uh, yeah. She she gets to reincarnate. It's not clear if she actually gets to reincarnate or not. So well, I guess it's not. We don't really get closure on it. <laughs> we do in the second and the third movie. They do actually the second. Well, the third movie more than the than the, than the second, but but the the sequels to this film do continue the story a little bit. Um, the book, if I recall, I think he ends up uh, she ends up uh, having a baby with him. Um, he, he, he takes her home and she becomes like his concubine and then his wife dies and she has a baby with him or something. I can't remember the precise details. Um, and, uh, and I think she's still a ghost when that's going on. Um, but, uh, but I could be, I could be wrong because there's so many Pusong Ling stories involving scholars and ghosts and that kind of a theme that it's easy to mix them up. Uh, yeah, but, so, yeah. Uh, it's like Stephen King and writers in Maine. It's gonna be it's every story. Yeah, yeah it's always it's either a fox spirit or a ghost, but it's generally and there's even one where there's a fox spirit and a ghost, and uh, and the man is torn between them. Uh, yeah, it's like I watched so many Wuxia movies, I've got the blur. Now I'm wondering we've talked about the Enchantress earlier. I'm thinking about the ending of the movie. I'm like, wait, was that the ending to that movie, or am I thinking of the ending to a different movie? I've, I've seen too many movies. Now. That, that could start to happen. That could start to happen. It's, you know, the trick is to, to to space them out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> if you watch them all back to back, too close together, then you end up blurring everything. Um, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. what do you guys think of the individual characters? Like, who's who were your favorites? Was there anybody that annoyed you? Uh, the what? judge is probably the best character in the whole movie. <laughs> like, I think we all agree on that point. Um, he was a good I, I reminded of the judge of the, at the end of uh, What's Up Doc, where he's just like completely like, I don't want to do this job. What's happening? I don't care. You're all guilty. Put it in the socks. He's trying to get the guy eaten. It's wonderful. My favorite line in that is when. They have the, 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 the criminal guy that's on the wanted posters and Leslie Chung shows up and it's like, no, I know where this guy is. And they're like, well, we already have him. And he's like, no, you got the wrong guy. And he looks to his assistant and the assistant's like, well, yeah, we, we pretty much get the wrong guy every time. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of that, though. 
the best part is when they bring the guy in and sucks, and they hold up his one post extra of like, that's the guy. <laughs> that's the best part. What a comedy in that scene. Oh man! Yeah, the, the sound yeah. he makes is perfect yeah. during that. He kind of sticks his tongue out as they're holding up the. <laughs> oh my god! And then and then so Uma shows up and he's and it turns out he's not a criminal. He's like a respected swordsman that everybody knows and and like and like every like everybody in the room except for Leslie Chung knows who's knows who he is. Um, but uh, what, what did you think of the Uma character? Yeah. Alright, so about the about the main characters though, man, it's hard to choose a favorite. They're all really good. Um usually a lot of times the love interest is boring. In this case, actually she's a fun character. Uh, she's resourceful and a little tormented and the, she's the center of a lot of the, the better jokes. So like I don't know, I, I really like her quite a bit. I like the ghost. I uh, I like the scholar. The, oh man. Like he's almost like a Woody Allen character, he's so pathetic. <laughs> And so you can't help but love the pathetic guy. Uh, the Dallas is this wonderful, beautiful disaster of a human being. Like, oh, he's man. great. He's, they're, he's, they're all really good. You know, I want to get to him in a moment, but I guess we'll start with the with the ghost. I think well, I think she's just a very charming actress, and especially like in that seduction scene where she's seducing him, it's so comedic the way she does it. Do you know, it's just like it. It really, it's like it's, I don't know. Just I just love how they handle that, and. Uh, and and how he's completely oblivious to it, and uh, and I think that the uh, but I think among the ghosts, my favorite is probably the tree demoness. I think the tree demoness just sort of, I don't know, yeah. something about that character just really works in this movie. Do you know what I mean? It's a uh, it's a very over the top character. I think we could can agree on that. But um, uh, if it were an American movie or an English movie, she would be played by Tim Curry. Yeah, that's how yeah. top character yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of a character, um, but it really works, and the voicing effect they have for it really is is is, is yeah, very, like it's very changing cool. too. I like the the variation in the voice; just keeps, makes it even more unnatural. You never you never quite get used to it. It stays unnatural because it keeps shifting on you. But, but I love how like her personality shifts back and forth. Like she could be really really nasty, but then like mm-hmm. on a like on like a hair, she just turns and is like, uh, you know, suddenly all sweet. Uh, to you know, so it, it's a, it, you know, she, it's a, um, it's an interesting character. You don't really see a lot of the character, but it just, I just like the glimpses you get are intriguing. Um, yeah, it's it's too big of a character for almost any movie, really. Like it's the thing, like she feels like a force of nature, and yeah. she feels fickle in that same way, you know. And uh, and so the uh, the Wu Mar character, though, I I don't know, I think uh. And I think I, I think my New English accent just uh, slipped into <laughs> Umar, um, Uma. Uh, he um, he he. Uh, I, I I think he's the best character in the movie, like hands down. I think uh, he like everything from the beard and the hair, like like that's already perfect. And then you add in the acting with Uma and 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 just the the way that they've decided to flesh out this swordsman who in the original story is not at all this ridiculous. Like you could, you could certainly read the story and, and imagine Wu Ma is that character, but it's not the only thing that would leap to mind when you're, when you're reading it. And he, he doesn't come across as so tormented as he does in this movie. Um, so, you know, I, I really like the scene where he's, where he's, where, where he, he cuts the tongue of the ghost or the demon and he gets all that white stuff on his face and he basically looks like a ghost. And then he's, he's like, 
confused about what you know like he's, he he says like I, I forget the exact wording but like in the world of men he pretends to be a ghost in the world of ghosts he pretends to be a man and and he's obviously got no fear of the ghost like he's just this wild man that 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 doesn't seem to fear for his own safety at all and he's got some deeper existential crisis driving him um, this is John Bellucci of this movie yeah it's Oh, man. Uh, like, it's it's a good transition into him like changing sides, going from I gotta destroy all the ghosts to you know being sympathetic towards. Her. I think I think it's handled very simply and cleanly too. I mean, they could you could you could go overboard with it, and I, I thought it worked well. What did you guys think of the the love storyline? Like like just in general, did that did that work for you? Did that feel yeah. Like- they, they, the actors have really chemistry. Like that that's I think the core thing of it is. Do the actors actually seem like they're getting along? Get, are you enthralled by the way they're acting? And like, yeah, they genuinely have a good like spark between them. They they have really good like on screen chemistry. They're both fun characters that you enjoy. And like, I was totally invested in the love story. So yeah, they really worked for me. Good core of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I think Leslie Chung usually works well in those kind of roles. I think he does. You know, uh, like this this movie. With Joey Wong and um, uh, Bride with White Hair with Bridget Lynn, both, you know, he, he managed to get great chemistry, um, and so I think I think you know, here I, I think again I think like the combination of uh, what he brings to the table and and what she brings to the table just really works well together, and and I think it's a kind of a moving story like the the way that they like you said like they pace it really well like you, it sort of takes you by surprise that you're like. You, because I was kind of noticing that this time around too, like you don't really realize how much important story information they're feeding you during these scenes, like this the bathtub scene that you said, but also the scene where she goes to him when they right before they have the confrontation with the tree demon, and there's a lot of stuff that she kind of just says as things are happening that explains everything, but it's all done sort of as you're being entertained, so you almost don't even really notice that you're you're being you know given the the pieces of the story. Um, yeah, they never overload you. I mean, they don't give you a lot of information about the demon she's supposed to marry. You just kind of hear the name dropped and so it's married. There, there's no, they don't feel the need to have a scene where, oh, we're going to explain about this, this. You know, you just, yeah. they, they, they have to wait until the character shows up when they're in hell. And it's like, whoa, okay, that's better than any time they could have spent setting this guy up. So, so yeah, that's very true. Like, again, it reminds me of Gozer a lot, where we don't really know anything about Gozer. Ah, Babylonian God, moving on. Yeah. And Gozer shows up, and the presence of the actress on stage and the whole state of marshmallow thing is it's more impactful. Same thing here. Uh, that, like Brennan was talking about, like, man, when that thing shows up, yeah, it's, that's, the visual impact is so much more than sitting there talking about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it also keeps you just, like, intrigued the fact we don't learn anything about this character and we every time uh, you know the, the character's name drops I'm, I'm curious like well wait what what is the deal with this this figure she's supposed to marry I mean it kept me more because they weren't telling me things and, uh, so do we have anything about the movie we want to cover before we move into gaming not particularly. I think most of the other stuff I could do in the context of a gaming conversation. Like, for instance, there's this scene where this, this guy paints a bunch of holy sigils on his back that are the equivalent of holding a cross up to a vampire when it comes to ghosts. That's that's something that could appear in a game. So I don't really think we need to, like, I need to 
mention that in the movie and then mention it again yeah. in the game context. I think everything else in the movie is like that for me. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so so one of the things that first leapt out at me is, uh, again, those monsters that I said were not particularly well-constructed, being the remains of, of the tree demons feeding. I like that as a premise for you arrive at a, you, you arrive at a temple and, and you have to contend with these zombie-like creatures, but then... To your horror, you discover that no, these are just the victims of the much more dangerous tree demon, and you know. The, so that that would really that's one of those things. I saw that and I was like, that would work beautifully in a gaming context. That would actually be a really yeah. cool adventure. You could just have that without all the other. Take out the love story. Take out all the other stuff. You have a great evening of entertainment. Um, yeah, well, the initial shot we see before they move, just seeing all those 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 drained bodies underneath. You know, underneath the floor there was just creepy, even without them moving. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, cause zombies are such an overdone thing in gaming. It's it's tough to find good ways to make them interesting. Without hey, zombies. No, and I, <laughs> and I could see like you could have them all have similar wounds, and so maybe curious players would start to piece together the puzzle. And maybe you could have things scattered in the temple that are clues. Like maybe some of these people kept a journal or something leading up to their demise, and so. You know, it, it would be it would be a really uh, I don't know. I just I just I I've, I I haven't really run it, but it's a, an adventure I've always wanted to run. Um, I, you know. I I hear you that I the thing about the tree demon that I think is fascinating is that she structures an entire little like mini society around her. It's not just that she drains people of their vital essence and makes zombies out of them. In addition to that, she enlists the ghosts of people whose ashes are buried in her roots to seduce those people. So there's lots of latching on points for that as a player. You could go to a brothel and, oops, it's a ghost brothel, and you got to deal with it. You could just come across the tree. You could come across the desiccated remains. You could get contacted by a magistrate who's dealing with a bunch of dead bodies coming to life. So many ways to link into that, and there's enough nuance to it that's not super complex that you can kind of, like, intuit some of those relationships, and it gives you a lot of levels to interact with it. Like, there's no one best way to solve the whole tree demon problem as evidence in the movie yeah. there's probably going to be at least one scene where they're fighting them and they're totally out of their depth which is great you, you really want that texture in a game so there's not some obvious solution like oh well if we just let sunlight hit the vampire no no this is gonna this is gonna take a while is yeah. the scene that is the thing you want your players to say about solving the problem yeah yeah, no, you're right. It's a very sandboxable kind of monster because there are, like you say, all those points of contact. It's pretty just drop it in your setting, and maybe the players will hit it. Maybe they won't. But it, uh, yeah, it, I, I, I agree with that. You also need many stats. Uh, tree demon, zombie, ghost. Done. <laughs> Done. Three the monster manual. You're out. <laughs> no, that's de- that's definitely that's definitely, and also I think I think adding in the element of one of the characters maybe being sympathetic and potentially a rescue target of some kind would be would add another layer to it that could work. Yeah, well, that adds another layer level of entry that we barely get into in this movie, but you could be in town, you could hear about, like, this, this character that died recently or something, and then that ties into the ghosts when you meet the ghosts. You're like, so there's, there's a whole other layer you can play with as, as a game master. Yeah, true. And, uh, it's important to realize that, like, the the thing that gets our main character to that place is the same horrific desperation that you really want to have in a, in a really good sandbox. I have no money, no place to sleep, and no 
So I'm in town, and everyone's like, get out. Why do you go to the Haunted Temple, you stupid asshole? And so you're like, all right, I can sleep there. I need to get my spells back. And then, bam, movie starts. Yeah. No, and I think I think the danger, obviously, is, is, is it could be a railroad situation where they keep going to places, and the gym's like, no, we're closed. No, this, no, that. But I think if you do a softer and on the map just sort of designate this temple as like a possible place to stay, it's uh, – mm-hmm. It's definitely, you know, that would not cost anything. That would be, uh, um, you know, an easy way to sort of maybe lure the players there. Um, True. But re- remember, even if they had decided, I'm going to break into an inn and sleep there legally or something, I'm going to sleep in a stable. Yeah. They, they would have triggered the other scene, which was great in this movie, which is the incompetent magistrate who's like, I don't want, okay, you're guilty, beat them. Yeah. You know, it was another scene that was prepped by the GM in our scenario for gamifying yeah. this whole thing. The whole town is there full of all this interesting stuff. It's really good, really good sandbox. No, that's true. And eventually the town is sort of under the influence of the ghosts anyway, so it might come up in other ways. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the sandbox encounter that, that if you ignore it gets worse and worse until you have to deal with it in a worst-case scenario. You just keep like, getting all these zombies that keep sort of moving into the town. and The escalating plot hook. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, yeah, any, any other uh, gaming content? I'm saying you could, you could, you could add what is the arrangement here? What is she getting in return for this? You know, what is it's it's not really touched. To my knowledge, it's not touched the movie. It's a subtitle thing, but could you, I, could I feel you like you could do a whole lot more there. The, the connection kind of faltered a little bit when you started talking. Could you repeat that? Oh, oh yeah, I could repeat that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the uh, I was saying that you know she's marrying off this ghost to this demon lord type person, this demon king, and you know the point is, what is she getting in return? What is this arrangement for? You know, there could be you could you could create some more story there to an extent. Yeah, because all we know is that she she's getting some kind of compensation. Like she says, she sold her. To the tree demon, or sold her to the to the demon guy, but uh, yeah, it doesn't say and, what the exchange you know, was. Have there been previous arrangements made? Previous ghosts for this arrangement made, and what's going on? You know, so I, I feel like you could have some and this larger is also, story going on. This is her top ghost too, right? Like this is the ghost that she seems to favor. So it must be something most. good. The ghost you know? of the most. <laughs> the ghost of the most. <laughs> That's my contribution to this conversation. <laughs> what did you think of the rivalry between uh, the 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 other ghosts? Do you think you could incorporate that into, uh, oh, yeah. into the game? Oh, squabbling NPCs is one of my favorite things in the game. The only thing that sucks about squabbling NPCs, in my estimation as a GM, is that you sometimes find yourself in a situation where you need to do the back-and-forth dialogue by yourself. And in those situations, I always just use my hand as a sock puppet. Yeah. As the other NPC, so well, let's, pro well, GMs out there. Yeah, and of course, what you can also do is, I mean, if the if the ghosts are squabbling, maybe they even try to pull the PCs into their squabble. So you don't have to deal with the squabble at the same time. Ghost one tells you one thing, and then Ghost two shows up later, and you hear something else with her trying to pull some scheme on Ghost one, and that way you avoid the talking to yourself thing, but you've still got the squabble in play. Now, GM two. What in terms of like gaming genre, right? Like, say, like this obviously has one foot in wuxia, but it's really from the anomaly encounter genre, and it's not stuff that you know. If you're watching a wuxia movie or reading a wuxia story, 
typically this stuff is, is not yeah. on the table that often, right? So is this yeah, a fair game in a Wuxia campaign or is it fair game in a fantasy campaign? You know, where, where would you make this stuff fair game? I don't know. I, I wouldn't be over concerned with tonality. I'm not in my games because, like, I, I like D and D, and in D and D, one session you're fighting Tolkien orcs, the other session you're fighting flying laser monsters with eyeballs, and it's like, okay, there's got to be some weirdness to the campaign that's accepted. So, I a lot of a lot of conversation about games and like themes and genre gets a little anal retentive for my taste. I'm a lot more anal expulsive, and I'm like, no, ghosts now, deal with it, bitches. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna have to put I, I, that I in like description. Kind of set a tone channel. in the game. You let let tone is something that happens. Everyone at the table is gonna determine the tone, and you just kind of you kind of ride the wave. That's my feeling. Can I just say something? I've never thought of what the antonym to anal retentive is until Joel just just explained. Oh yeah, you'll turn in real life. Yeah. That, is, that is real. Yes, you, you you sadly haven't studied enough Freud. I guess. No, nope. you're welcome. <laughs> okay, you are welcome. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, I, I beseech the, uh, the, the, the crowd. Um, but, but all right. So, so okay. So apparently, I've learned something new today. Uh, though I have to say that really lowers my estimation. I'm kind of disappointed that that's a real term. Like I, I thought it was cool because it sounded funny. But it feels like it shouldn't be a real thing. When you... it, it, a, lot, a lot of Freud feels yeah. that way. I think. Yeah. Um, well, no, Freud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was the most impactful part of my point. <laughs> well, 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 clearly you're a well-read man, Joel. Much better well-read than I am. Um, I I just thought it was an off-the-cuff remark. I, I thought he just said, "Hey, what's the opposite of anal retentive?" Bang. You know. You know. Uh, so. I don't know if I like it more that I was able to teach you that term and it's a real term, or that you think I'm clever enough to have made that kind of extemporaneous comment. I thought it was just a funny joke. I thought it sounded funny. It was, it, you know, it, it sounded like the kind of thing that you just, you know, you just hear at like a bar or something. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so. Oh my god. Okay. Well. But anyways. Getting back to the the point of gaming and 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 genres oh. we were kind of on. I agree with you. I, I I'm not really that into sort of uh, saying these are the parameters of what wuxia should be. But like, it, but as you know, if you run a wuxia campaign, you're going to encounter some amount of uh, expectations. Um, but I that's think, true. Yeah. It, oh, that's that's a hard one too. I've run into that a lot with uh, with doing the redesign with Legends of the Wu and turning to Tianxiang, where. Legends of Wulin is much more of a kind of a purist thing, where it's talking about wuxia in very specific terms. And for me, like, wuxia is part of this broader genre of, like, this kind of kung fu stuff, which has elements of chan cha and all that other great stuff. So, yeah, I'm actually kind of an expectation a lot where people just are sort of un- unhappy with my take on it. Or they, or I feel a lot of times where I'm not taking it really as seriously as I should. And um, I think it's a valid take to say that you can have a little more of a, a purist mindset as far as wuxia goes. And then in, the, in that case, yeah, ghosts might sort of violate that a little bit. I don't I, I'm a, like, that's not really why I got into doing the gaming stuff with wuxia. You know, I, I saw some cool kung fu movies and I was like, I'll bet D&D could do that. And that's as deep as I thought about it. Well, also, this movie freely combines the two genres, right? I mean, there's definitely a wuxia element to it. Like, there's, like, I mean, and the swordsman does actually exist in the story. Like, those kind of characters go back. 
before like wuxia novels and stuff but like but but it clearly takes it in a direction that's borrowed out of wuxia cinema and and i feel like that all kind of works like that like to me this actually feels like if you made a setting that was based all around this you probably have an easier time running adventures than if it was all based on wuxia do you know what i mean not that you yeah, shouldn't that's do that's the form or the was, was that it was all humans and so no weird supernatural stuff could intrude and give you another texture yeah and that that greatly limited the the, the sort of the, the interest level of the campaign because it was always like oh another criminal is doing this. Yep. Um, they did a really great job of giving you variety within that really like narrow context, but it always it always felt incomplete. And I think that's because we can't help but make the comparison to the laser monsters of D and D. You know, we were so used to that as gamers that like we want that texture. We really do. Well, it's, it's, I mean, and again, there's nothing wrong with a straightforward, like, wuxia or straightforward whatever. You know, like, I, like uh, you know, one of the first games I made was a counterterrorism game where there was no supernatural at all. It was just, you're a counterterrorism agent in the FBI, and it doesn't get more, like, mundane than, you know, the paperwork you have to fill out but, at the end of each day. You know, like... Eeks is that, when you think about it. It's just counterterrorism against an ancient evil god. No, and that's, that's what I was going to get to, is then eventually I said, hey, I'm going to combine this idea with some other supernatural stuff, and then I did that Servants of Gaius game, and so I feel like that opened up a lot more adventuring opportunities, was the, the, the thing of it. And so I think here, it's one of these things where what I, what my, my preference when I run this kind of stuff is I like to be able to run sort of the Shaw Brothers style, like 70s style wuxia, like that might be the predominant flavor, but I yeah. still like to have the occasional... Chinese ghost story adventure. And I feel like those two work well together because if it's Chinese ghost story all the time, then the Chinese ghost story isn't surprising when it occurs. Yeah, I agree. I think the combination works best because, yeah, I mean, you could do a whole, you could have a whole campaign in a world where Chinese ghost story exists and never encounter a ghost. That yeah. can happen, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's just the, the potential for it, I think, adds a lot to, everything enhances the other, other element. And, and also, if it's a mostly non-supernatural campaign, the players kind of have to wonder, is this a legitimate ghost, or is this something else going on? You know, there's like that, if you can keep yeah. it a little bit... A Scooby-Doo element. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Scooby-Doo, but with actual ghosts, and not always a guy in a mask, so... Sometimes it's a guy in a mask, sometimes it's actually a demon. Well, there, there is a strong Scooby-Doo element to a lot of wuxia that way. You know, like a lot of times, the, the, you know, they'll, they'll take great pains to sort of really make it look like something supernatural and then pull that back. You know, so... Detective D is a really good example of not doing Chinese ghost story, but, yeah. tr but like, making it seem like you are. Yeah. Because almost the whole movie feels like there's something supernatural going on, then... God, well, hold on, hold on, I want to stop you there. I want, I want to stop you there because we're going to be doing Detective D tomorrow, and I don't know if Adam... Adam, have you seen Detective I'm D? I'm watching it tonight. I'm watching okay, it tonight. Oh, oh, I won't spoil it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not usually rigid about spoilers, but I figured, we, you know, knowing that Adam's, like, about to dive into it. Uh, uh, yeah. Don't spoil that movie. Like, that's one of the few where I'd actually be able attentive about spoilers. Don't be expulsive with your with your anus in that movie. Attentive. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I guess... You know, you know what I don't like about those terms now, too? I feel like there's obvious... Ob one of them is obviously better than the other one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, true. Like, I would much rather be anal retentive than anal re expulsive. And I think most people would, right? 
So I just, it's a, I, I feel like, like I feel like there's judgment being loaded into the terminology before. No, we... no, it's loaded both ways because the other one is a person who is just. Uh, it's, oh, I'm not going to get into it. Loaded okay. both ways. I love that. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah. yeah. You can't uh, escape the doofy jokes. This, this, this conversation is really the uh, shitter at this point. Exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think it's been a very wonderful conversation. Um, <laughs> Oh, bully, bully. Oh, man, okay, so there's a lot about gaming stuff that came in my mind in this movie. Like, the last scene where they're fighting uh, Old Darkness, what they call him, I like that they thwart him without actually vanquishing him. That's something that you need room for in your RPG. Uh, it's really common, I think, for people to fight to the death in a lot of scenarios because they're thinking about it in terms of challenge rating, and that's a really bad idea. Because sometimes you beat the dragon by just getting that one gold goblet and running away and letting him rampage while you flee. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what did happen really... to him? What did happen to him in the end? Because I was a little. I, I, I still don't know that I'm clear 100 percent what happened. Oh, they escaped. Bad. Remember that scene where they're crawling no, out of no, the. No, no, I get that they escaped. Thing? What I mean is, did they vanquish the enemy at the end of the of that battle, or was he just subdued? And he's gonna come back. Like, what was the? I feel like they they thwarted him. Like, I don't think that he's annihilated. Clearly, okay. that asshole's gonna crawl back up from whatever level of hell they banished him to. Which, by the way, Chinese hell very similar to Dante's hell. I realized recently the whole Naraka thing. Lots of different ironic formats in there. Interesting note. Uh, but yeah, have you it... seen Joel? Have you seen the movie Heaven and Hell by Chang? Yeah, I've seen that one. Oh, Adam, you saw it, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I have seen Heaven and Hell. Yeah. I own that. I own okay. that on DVD. Yeah, that is we, a. Uh, we need a to get keeper. you a copy of Heaven and Hell because yeah, that is yeah. yeah like, any any yeah. interest in Chinese Hell? It's a must watch. I have a great interest in Chinese Hell, so. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I think that's important in a game. You need to be able to beat a really powerful bad guy without necessarily killing them. It, it's hard. It's hard to have recurring uh, RPG villains. It's, players are super good at killing your bad guys, but if you make them so ridiculously powerful that they can't kill them, or it's unlikely that they'll kill them, then they have the tendency to die to them. It's hard to like telegraph the challenge of the monster that's powerful. So it's I don't know. It's it's a hard line to walk as a GM, but it's an important one to master. Well, also, I mean, they do defeat. Well, the, the tree demon actually only gets subdued too, because that one she said like a hundred years, and actually that's what part three is about. Part three is like a hundred years later, they, they the, the tree, tree demon needs to be contended with again. So it's um, <laughs> cool. I like that. Oh man. Yeah, some yeah, people like actually that. really like, like part that. three. Part three has a, gets a lot of affection. I think I I, I don't know. I, I kind of like part two, but I feel like part two actually is not particularly as well liked as part. One or three. Um, but I, I feel like you should continue the story directly. Like I feel like I like the bittersweet, ambiguous ending, and I think that it, it gives a good finality to it. And I think if you just kind of continue that, you almost can't help but undo some of the impact in this movie. And that's what a bad sequel does. But a good sequel takes the same ideas and does something unique with them. And I think that that's the gulf between part two and part three. Not having seen either of them, just hearing from you talking, that seems to be the difference there. It's like how Ghostbusters 2 sucked because undid a bunch of Ghostbusters 1. Like, that's a bad sequel. Here's what I'll say about part two. I feel, And again, it's been a little while since I've seen part two, so I don't, probably don't have all the plot elements in my head correctly right now. But basically, 
if I recall, the scholar meets another woman who is played by Joey Wong and looks just like the ghost. Do you know what I mean? And so, uh, and so he, and and so he falls in love with her eventually. And it sort, it's sort of, it sort of feels to me like they give you the thing you didn't get that you wanted at the end of part one. Do you know what I mean? At the end of part one, you wanted them to be able to be together, and in part two, they kind of let these characters be together. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't think that is as good an ending to the story. I mean, it almost feels like cheating somehow. Well, that's why I'm saying it kind of gets at what Joel was saying, is it sort of undoes a key element of part one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I do think you have to see it though to deter. Like it's, it's. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it might be a perfectly fine movie. I just, I just, I just, I did like the idea that okay, you know, they won just by getting her reincarnated. So she, her soul goes on to something more. They don't get to be together, but it's not a tragic ending either. So. Well, part three might disappoint you on that front too. Uh, so. Uh, yeah. 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 Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, any, any other mechanical, gamey type stuff? I like the category stuff, like I mentioned with, the, uh, with him getting the room standing on his back and that being something that ghosts just can't kind of deal with. I always like that. Uh, I like the ghosts catching needles. Those are needles are actually a thing in Buddhism. You can capture someone's soul in one of those and get from reincarnating. I, that, that was cool. I always like game elements that, you know, are pulled from actual religions that people sincerely believe in and died for. It's always great. I'm not at a table. <clears throat> um, oh, jeez, what else? That's it. I mean, you could definitely pull a lot <laughs> like of supernatural. Like, like if you're even if you were just playing a game like D and D, you could you could create some really cool spells out of uh, some of the things that you see the swordsmen do, for example. And uh, you know, it, it's 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 got it's got a lot of you know like weapons and spells and talismans and you know things like that. So the sutra. There are people getting eaten by the tongues. That's a really cool thing where there's kind of a, a mind flayer esque instant lose condition to the tongues they get in your mouth and toast. Yeah. I like that. Not enough bad guys have a two part insta kill attack where they grab you, then they eat you. Mind flayers like, have it. I like tongue They Treaty even has it with evil tongue. I can't think of any others offhand. Yeah. A lot of people are afraid of save versus death these days. But, I, uh... I think it's good. I, I think. I think. I think it's really add something to play. Mm-hmm. I, I've noticed that I have actually a pattern of abilities that cut off your head. Uh, yeah. As the, <laughs> like, like, and it's usually a two-part condition, just like Joel's saying. Uh, you've, been, you've been on a big limb cutting off kick as a GM. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, do, I do like cutting off limbs, and I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> your friend Freud would have something to say about it if I, if I bothered to read it. But... <laughs> but uh, but I never will. So all over that works for the books. That sort of gives everyone a chance to go, oh no, and interact with it. You know, so that's always fun. And then you can give it to the players too, because then the players have that wonderful tension where they do the setup and they're like, oh, now this is gonna work. And when it does work, it's great. So you yeah. pin down the vampire, then you stake it. You get on top of the the basilisk, then you put the mirror in its eyes. One, two. I don't know. Something about that is like the perfect amount of instant kill um, uh, projecting. So that's a, that's a pretty easy game of fire right there. Yeah, no, and other yeah, players... Oh, go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. I was going to say, and if you've got those instant kill effects, you want the players to know ahead of time. That way, when they face this monster, they know what the horrible threat is. And yeah. so it's not just a, boom, gotcha, suddenly your character's dead. You're like, what happens? Yeah, you, you, you have to someone. Try. 
tell them about the Mind Flayers, you know, or, like, yeah. drop some clue about the Mind Flayers. Those are so weird they got to be informed about that. Something like a vampire that's a little more well-known. Okay, yeah. they're going to grab me, then suck my blood. Yeah. I, I can prepare for that. Medusa. Okay, I can't look at it. You know? yeah. it's, not, it's not even a matter of fairness. It's just having the sense of dread so you get the full emotional yeah. effect of the instant kill. Yeah, it's not about play fair play. Talk no, about no, 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 terror. <laughs> no, and the, um, and it, it is one of those things where I think in that case you do want to like usually the players don't need to know all the mechanical details of something for it to be functional or work. It's sometimes better that they don't, but in that case of a two-parter, if they know, okay, there's these two steps, and the second step is like super super dangerous, it just heightens the experience so much more if they. Uh, if, they, if they're aware of it. Because um, that's when they're like, oh my god, oh crap, now we're really in trouble because the next die roll determines whether I live or die. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, would agree, I, would, I, would, I would agree with pretty much all the stuff you guys were saying there. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. Is there anything else that we, we want to say before we head out? I, I can go on about that. There's a lot of stuff in it's like little elements that you want to gamify. Like... Um, how do ghosts and humans interact? Is there, like, this sort of, like, veil that doesn't get passed between the material and the immaterial? Because, I mean, eventually that's just, there's a ghost, how does it interact with people, and then later on it's, you get pulled into the ghost world, what does that mean? Yeah. I actually had that uh, come up in the last session, I, I, I ran my, my playtest for Little Fist because I put the the weird dying god thing from Children Who Chase Lost Voices into my game because I love that thing so much. And one of the things it does is it's passively dangerous, so it'll like kind of just inadvertently pull you into the spirit world. So now two of my three players are kind of ghosts, and I'm, I'm not actually sure how to go through with dealing with that. So they keep in count, I've like done they keep that. like floating through places, and like no one can see them, except the random Dallas who's like, Oh, my ghost! I, I've I've had players end up as ghosts, and it can work. It can work. You just have to, you have to manage it right. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, uh, I guess we should probably head out then. Um, you know, we've been going out for about an hour. Uh, so, so we'll head out. And again, the movie is a Chinese ghost story, uh, and I think we all pretty much recommend it. Wouldn't you guys agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, go buy this movie. And. Uh, and tomorrow we're going to be on for Detective D is the plan. So uh, Detective D is our uh, uh, Wusha Weekend uh, conversation. And until then, we will talk to you later.
Bleh!